Attention all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. Welcome to MASH Matters, the podcast celebrating the greatest television series of all time, brought to you by two guys who love the show for uh, slightly different reasons. I'm Ryan Patrick. I was a fan of the show, and he is Jeff Maxwell, who was on the show. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Ryan Patrick. I was on the show, and boy, that was a lot of fun for uh, umpteen years, uh, playing with all those people who were on MASH. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm you know what we you. should do? We should yeah. do a podcast talking about that. I don't think anybody is show up for it. I don't know. I don't know. No, you're right. You're right. It was a terrible idea. Just forget yeah. I said anything. We can do a podcast about polar bears or something. I, I think probably people show up for that. I mean, I don't know a thing about polar bears, so I really wouldn't be able to answer anybody's questions about polar bears. But then again, I don't have a lot of answers to people's questions on this podcast either. So, Well, I, I know that they're big and they're white and they eat seals. That's all I know. <laughs> and thus concludes the Polar Bear Podcast. <laughs> this podcast, however, is celebrating its 99th episode with this episode Ooh. right here. How about that, huh? Yowie. We're about to hit triple digits. Ooh. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> 99 is pretty good. I'm happy with 99. You just want to stop here? <laughs> Okay. All right. That's it. We're done. That's it. Abyssinia (laughs) Mash Matters. (laughs) No, 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 no. In fact, we're going to move on here and we have a very special guest with us on this episode. Yeah. Our guest today knows his way around the entertainment industry and knows what it's like to be on a beloved hit television series. Why is he on Mash Matters? Well, we're going to tell you all about that right now. Here is our interview with Will Friedle. So, MASH goes off the air in 1983. <gasps> it's off the air? What? I'm sorry, Jeff. I'm sorry to break the news. You got no job. So, MASH goes off the air in 1983. Ten years later, in 1993, a show premieres on ABC that goes to run seven seasons, Boy Meets World. Now, what on earth does Boy Meets World have to do with MASH? Well, Will Friedle. Hello, Will. Hi, how are you? Uh, You know, we get a lot of listener emails, but rarely do we get listener emails saying how much they love MASH from somebody who was also on a successful television series. So that was a very pleasant surprise to see your name pop up in our inbox. So thank you for reaching out. I Are you kidding? I have, I am a MASH fanatic, MASHaholic, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, I, I You know, I know back at the beginning of the podcast, people were deciding what to call themselves. I just refer to myself as an orderly. And so I have loved everything about it. I would not be an actor were it not for MASH. And um, every morning when I walk my dog in the neighborhood, I put on MASH. Mat- well, when I can, uh, I put on MASH Matters and I just started binging the podcast and I said, I'm going to write them and absolutely invite myself on this podcast, which is what I did. And now here Uh, I am. You can manifest it. Absolutely. You did such a good job with that uh, invitation. I mean, how could we turn that down? Exactly. Uh, Wonderfully, wonderfully done. Exactly. Jeff, it's so wonderful to, uh, to speak with you and hear your voice in my head for real and be having a conversation. My, my brothers and I speak in quotes. Uh, We have (laughs) since we were kids. It's just an absolute language that we are fluent in. And when 
whenever we get to a new place, one of us invariably just out of the dead silence will say, I thought there were going to be refreshments here. Um, <laughs> and so it is absolutely, it's something we have said for in my entire life, literally my whole life. So this is what my, when I called my brothers, I was like, I'm going on mash matters. Ryan and Jeff, they're like, you've got to be kidding me. And then of course the conversation was an hour long of just mash books, which is what we tend to do. So that is one of us will say that uh, at the, at an inopportune time. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> a perfect, wow. a perfect time to do that. Any inopportune time to say Exa that is. Yep, is exactly. That's it. very nice. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that's working out for you. <laughs> it is. It is. It's been great. Yeah. Yes. Has Mash been a part of your life? My whole life. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely, my whole life. So I, uh, you know, I was born in '76. So I found Mash a little bit later in that I was able to recognize I was watching Mash a little bit later. But I was watching Mash my whole life because my parents watched it and my brothers watched it. And when you're the youngest of three boys, you're allowed to watch what your brothers decide that you're allowed to watch or listen mm -hmm. to whatever music they want you to listen to. And Mash was one that everybody in the family loved for obvious reasons. And between Mash, which was far and away number one for me, and Michael J. Fox on Family Ties and Different Strokes, I knew by the time I was about three that I had to be on television. It's just all I ever wanted. And watching Alan Alda, especially, who was just had that amazing, almost British dry wit. It was an acting school every week. It was great. In the email that you sent us, you specifically said that Alan Alda made you want to be an actor. You're three years old and you're watching this guy on TV. I mean, what is it that makes you just say, this is the life for me? I don't know. You know, I, as my parents, so no one in my family was part of the industry. I was from a small, I am from a small town in Connecticut. Both my parents are lawyers. My father's also a retired captain of the Navy. We had nothing to do with the industry at all, but I was hmm. named after a television character. So I was William after my grandfather, but was supposed to be Billy. But my oldest brother's favorite show was Lost in Space. So I was named after Will Robinson from Lost in Space. Uh. <laughs> and my first ever full sentence was talking about the Cylon Raiders from Battlestar Galactica. So I was wow. just absolutely <laughs> born to do this. And by the time I was three or four, I was, you know, I think it all starts. And, and I think Jeff can understand this as well. And, and you, Ryan, as well, because I know you're an actor, too. It starts with especially at a young age, the need to be the center of attention. <laughs> and you learn very young that there are positive ways to be the center of attention and negative ways to be the center of attention. I found comedy very early and I loved making people laugh and standing in front of whatever crowd was around me and making them laugh. But watching the masters do it, and and Alan Alda is certainly that, you realize it wasn't just running in and falling down. It was the slight raise of an eyebrow or, you know, uh, a look could, could send people to the floor. And mm -hmm. Alan Alda is the king of that. So there was just something about watching the progression of the character and watching how he tackled it that made me realize that this is just what I had to do. So I, I worked and worked and worked. You said that uh, as a kid, you, you knew you wanted to do this and you liked being the center of attention. Wh when did that first happen? When did you say, hey, I really like being the center of attention? I always liked to make people laugh when I was very, very young. But when I really found it, I think so in second grade in Newington, Connecticut, every Friday we had free day and we were allowed to do whatever we want. And every single Friday I put on a play, it was always exactly the same play because it was the only one I knew. I'm sure my class loved watching just it was, yeah, just one episode over and over and over again. <laughs> but I put on Stone Soup, which was a uh, a phenomenal play that you could was easy to do. 
And that was uh, the, the following year we moved from Newington, Connecticut to Avon, Connecticut, which actually had a drama department. And the teacher there when I was in third grade said, I think you've got something here. And there's an audition at the Hartford stage, which is a great local uh, stage for a doll's house. And I went and I read for, I got the smallest part in the play. It was one line. And then a week before the play debuted, they switched me with the lead kid. And I ended up having two or three scenes. And of course, being nine nine or 10 at the time, I had no idea who I was working with. But looking back now, the play was with Mary McDonald, David Strathairn, Mark Lamos. It was like some of the most, Jerry Bannon, some of the most incredible actors ever. Yeah, And of course, at nine, I'm going, I'm making $70 a week. I'm getting paid to do this. This is the (laughs) coolest thing in the world. And I just fell in love with it. And then I begged my parents to let me get a a manager and try it in New York. We were out two and a half hours away from New York City. My father came home one day with 20 yellow pages, uh, which was the Google of the day. Mm-hmm. And we went through and took really bad headshots in the back of, of his office with a friend of his who who took like local pictures at a mall kind of thing. And six months later, I was on my first series on Nickelodeon. And I it's just I've been doing it 35 years now. Wow. Um, so, yeah, just been Re- been very lucky. But it's all mash for me all the time when I look back at my life and what what brought me here and what the pinnacle is and. I still think it's in, you know, we, we, it's funny because I do a podcast, shameless plug called pod meets world. Mm-hmm. And we talk about what got us into the industry all the time. And one of the on running jokes is I will fit mash in wherever I can into the conversation. <laughs> and it's, it, you know, it's just to me the there's certain seasons that are perfect television, absolutely perfect television. Which seasons this, do you consider to be perfect? I think season three of mash is about as good as you can get. Again, there's different reasons to like different seasons of MASH. David Ogden Stiers comes in and... First of all, any as anybody who, who loves television or has been on TV will tell you, changing characters midstream is the most difficult thing to do in the business. You can't, you can't just swap out one character for another. That's not supposed to work. And MASH was able to do it twice. Uh, it, it just it makes no sense other than cheers with a couple characters that just really hasn't been done that successfully well, in television history. Mash actually did it three times. You had Trapper and BJ. And oh, yeah. And Frank I guess you were talking talk about. Yeah, and, and yeah exactly. And Potter and, and, Potter and, also, and, yeah. and Blake. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. Three times. It, sh- it yeah. should not work. And it does every time. It adds a whole new. The show changes, but it still adds an entirely do- a new dynamic to the show. It brings in a whole nother level of comedy or of drama or of both. It's so amazing how it works that way. And so I'll watch season, say, two or three and get one thing out of MASH. And then I'll watch season six or seven and really concentrate on David Ogden Steyer's performance, which is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. His performance as Winchester, some of the subtle beats he takes are unbelievable. And the thing that amazed me is I was listening to, it was not too long ago, re-listening to the table read that that you guys put up. And all the beats were there during the table read. Some actors find those when they're on their feet and you, and he did certainly, there were certainly different moments when the show actually aired, when bottle fatigue came out, mm-hmm. but a lot of those brilliant moments he already had at the table. That's insane Remarkable. for an actor to already have those tiny, subtle moments at the table read just nuts. So I, I, that's one of the reasons I love watching MASH is because every season you're picking up something different. So it's, yeah, I, and I watch it every day. So 
What does your wife think about that? <laughs> My wife was always a MASH fan. And now, so television to us is our white noise at night. And mm-hmm. so we fall asleep every night to MASH. Huh. And so she'll be, I'll come in and now it's just her. I'll hear her laughing in the other room and I'll know it's like, yeah, she's got mash up. Um, so it's, <laughs> we absolutely, we love everything about it. And again, just being, a, you know, I was very blessed in the family that I was born into. We're a very close family, but television was my best friend. So mash mm-hmm. was super, it's just so important to me, but I love it. Wow. And I, the one question that nobody's asked so far on the podcast, which I'm amazed about is, did he really shoot the bugle out of Gary Berghoff's hand? I'm kidding. I've heard that question now so many times. <laughs> that also, by the way, I don't wait for questions. I just keep talking. Um, it's because yeah, I podcast for a living. Well, it, it okay. gives us a chance to relax. I mean, Good. Ryan That's perfect. I just sit here going. Is he still talking, Ryan? Good. I love it. Just just pass out. I'm good. I don't. Folks, it's just us now. Ryan and Jeff are asleep. So I was talking about Connecticut. My first, my one of my brother's closest friends growing up was a guy named Dougie Berghoff. Hmm. who was Gary Berghoff's cousin. <laughs> so oh, I grew really? up in the town right next to Gary Berghoff. So the, you know, that was the connection too of, wow, somebody from right around here could actually go to Hollywood mm-hmm. and make mm-hmm. it. And it was Gary Berghoff. So we had, you know, we knew the Berghoffs. And uh, while I'd never, never met Gary, Dougie was over all the time. So it was just, hmm. we had that connection as well. It was really cool. Interesting. Did you know uh, Gary's parents? I did not. I think my parents did though. I, pr- I believe because the there was part of the Berghoff clan in Bristol, which is where Gary Berghoff is from. And then there's part of the Berghoff clan in Newington, which is where we were from, which sounds like too very far, but it's like 15 minutes away. But that the whole clan was kind of around there. And there was always, it, you'd always drive by and there would be billboards of Gary Berghoff, like for a local car dealer or something. He would always lend his image <laughs> to something in town. So you're always driving by and there's radar right up on the on the screen. And it's kind of like, man, he grew up around here. I bet you I could do it too. So it was, oh, uh, it was cool. inspiring. Yeah, it was that's very inspiring. Cool. Now, in your career in entertainment, have you ever had the opportunity to meet or work with anybody from MASH? I have. I've been very, very lucky. So Boy Meets World, as you said, ran for seven seasons. Jeff, I don't have to tell you that. I know you're a huge fan. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, know. I have it on now. You can't that's, turn I the figured. volume down. But I have it on. <laughs> he goes to sleep listening to it. Listening every night. To Absolutely. Yes, I could tell you. When I can't go to sleep, I turn it on and, <laughs> and, we're, and you're out. Uh, right out. <laughs> um, no, so there's an, it, first of all, there's, well, I'll get into that story later, which nobody, nobody knows, but the, um, mm-hmm. I, there's a number of characters on Boy Meets World, guest stars as well, that were reoccurring on MASH. Earl Bowen, for instance, was, did, did a, a guest star on MASH, was, did a guest star, he just passed last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Blake Clark, who was uh, very much reoccurring and part of our cast on Boy Meets World, did a number of episodes of MASH. So there were, I got a chance to to meet and talk with some people that were were actually on the set. But the story that nobody knows, they know part of the story because William Daniels, who played Mr. Feeney and was on St. Elsewhere and, uh, yes. you know, is a remarkable actor. Uh, he, after the pilot of Boy Meets World, which I was not on, a, a number of, of characters from Boy Meets World were recast after the pilot. But after the pilot, Bill said he was going to quit. He said, I, I'm, this is not for me. This is just, it's a four camera show. There's an audience. It's not something that I'm used to. I'd like to move on, please. And of course, our executive producer, Michael Jacobs, did everything he could to keep him, but had to have a backup plan. And apparently his backup plan, which was agreed to, was David Ogden Stiers. So there was a chance, and nobody knew this, but there is a chance that David Ogden Stiers was going to be 
the legendary Mr. Feeney. Wow. Um, so that was, uh, that is the rumor that, that we have heard, Holy which, God. uh, you know, if talk about remarkable casting would be amazing. Bill of course came in and, and made Mr. Feeney, Mr. Feeney, but it's always interesting to think about the, the, the road not taken. Well, it's very interesting too, because I was thinking as I was uh, on my walk this morning, I was thinking about our conversation today and I started thinking about the parallels between Boy Me's World and MASH. You and I are, are about the same age. Well, mm-hmm. I was born in 75. So growing up, you know, TV was also my best friend. And I grew up watching these people and I grew up watching St. Elsewhere. And you have uh, you have Bill Daniels on, on St. Elsewhere. You think the Mark Craig, Dr. Mark Craig and Dr. Charles Emerson Winchester at some point cross paths. Yeah. In, the, in some fictional world, you have to think that they did cross paths with each other. Yeah. And and they probably hated each other, but but they <laughs> but they no doubt crossed paths because they were both in, in Boston. But that that made me start thinking about Bill Daniels was your show's David Ogden Stiers. Yeah. So the fact that David Ogden Stiers almost played that role is crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. It's it's crazy. <laughs> we we it we it is very um again just Sitting there and working with Bill every day, you got a taste of that kind of old school, legendary Hollywood feel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always say that, you know, uh, my father taught me how to be a man, but Bill Daniels taught me how to be a professional. You know, wow. he was never he was never late. He never missed a line. He was if his call time was 830, his, you know, he was there at 730. It's just that's the way he was. So he instilled that uh, in that in all of us. It didn't matter that you were 11 or 12 years old. You were, you're an actor. You're, you're part of the cast. I'm going to treat you exactly the way that I would treat anybody else. Um, and I imagine that somebody like David Ogden Stiers would, would probably be very similar to that in that respect. There are certain things that I, I look at how we grew up as actors and the stories that y- you all tell. Like Jeff, when you were talking about how you, you would do the table read and then the producers and writers would open up the floor to the actors for the actors to give them notes uh, as an actor I, I told my i told that story on pod meets world and as an act my fellow actors were like oh i couldn't even imagine that give and take because as kids it was more like here's your lines now go do your lines mm-hmm. so the idea of sitting there as an actor and being able to say here's really what I, and again and again i, I don't want to give the impression that we didn't have a creative set because we did and especially as we got older we were certainly allowed to input what we wanted and ad lib here or there and have a little bit of fun when the audience was there but that kind of give and take with those adult actors shows in the performances and it shows in the product that you get at the end of these amazing writers and producers working with this amazing cast and there's such a synergy that at the end of the day you get mash and it's just perfect. Well, I think it was, uh, it, it really is as a result of Gene Reynolds and Larry Gelbart. You know, Gene Reynolds was a genius at doing what he did and was able to cast the show and run a show with some pretty high power people and allow them to be who they were and welcome them to be who they were. And so that kind of mindset, you know, is, is kind of rare and uh, isn't always done with as, as much elegance as he did it. So he had the dignity and the class and the ability to allow people to be who they were and to hear what they had to say and to be creative enough and know that he had to be creative enough to have that work for the show. Because that moment, allowing people to be who they were, really helped make the show better. Yeah, it was a lucky thing. I mean, uh, for a group of actors to be able to have the producers allow them to speak out and say, no, well, let's talk and talk about this is pretty remarkable. So incredible. Uh, pretty cool. It just, yeah. Uh, it's a rarity too to get, 
I mean, occasionally, just occasionally, you catch lightning in a bottle when you get the mm-hmm. right producers with the right directors, with the right actors, mm-hmm. and it, you, you make something that lasts forever. I mean, there's a reason yeah. why I go to these conventions and I sit in the room in the, the green rooms with the biggest Marvel actors in the world. I mean, literally the biggest movie stars in the world. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And then Jamie Farr and Loretta Swit walk in and I can't speak. <laughs> you know, it, and it's it's because it's it's perfection and it meant so much to me growing up. And it's funny because Pod Meets World essentially started because Ryder Strong, who's one of my best friends in the world, and Daniel Fischel, one of my other best friends in the world. Daniel and I had, had not seen Boy Meets World in 30 years and Ryder Strong had never seen it. He's the you, Jeff, of of our show. <laughs> and so that's what it is. We're now 30. It's our 30th anniversary. And so he's watching it for the first time ever. And we have fans that are me to mash, if that makes sense, where they're mm-hmm. kind of coming in and saying, I watch it all the time. It meant so much to me. And Ryder and Danielle are starting to understand that. But because they didn't have a mash growing up, they didn't have a show that meant so much to them. They don't fully understand it the way that I do, because I know how much mash means to me and what it meant to me in my life and my career. So I can understand how Boy Meets World might mean that for someone else. Mm-hmm. But it is, I get I, Jamie Renner, all these great, incredible actors walking by me. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Loretta Swit walked by and I was like, oh my God, it's all that. <laughs> I mean, I just, I didn't, I brought, so I collect the original MASH toys from the 70s. Some people don't even know that they exist, but I have a ton of them. All original boxes. I'm a big nerd. Don't get me started. I have the action figures all in the original packages, including the elusive clinger in dress. So I am going, I think it's to Salt Lake City, something like that. I think you were actually supposed to be there, Jeff, at one of these, and then you had to cancel. But Loretta Swit and Jamie Farr came and I packed up my two action figures Hmm. in bubble wrap and I packed them in my suitcase and I brought them with me like a fan to the and I walked up to them in the green room with my little Sharpie and I said, (laughs) excuse me, Mr. Farr, Miss Swit, would you sign it? He they they both of them couldn't have been nicer. I said to Jamie Farr, I said, your show made me want to be an actor. And he started laughing. He said, I have heard our show made me want to be a doctor. I have heard our show made me want to be in the army. He said, I have never heard our show made me want to be an actor. <laughs> and I said, well, thank you very much. He signed my action figure, which he also did not even knew existed. He said, I didn't even know this was a thing. And uh, she signed it as well. And I was the happiest kid in the world. It was amazing. <laughs> um, so I know it's impossible to narrow it down. So I'm not going to ask you what's your favorite episode, but do you have favorite episodes? I do. So my brothers and I, so when I told them, of course, that I was coming on the show again, I played at, at one time at the, the for Kim Possible back in uh, 2002, I got to, to do a live show at the Royal Albert Hall oh, in wow. London. I did not tell anyone in my family I didn't care. When I was coming on MASH Matters, I called both my brothers immediately. <laughs> and I was like, guys, I get to talk about MASH with Jeff Maxwell. Ryan's this other great guy. He's host the thing. He's a super fan like us. They were like, oh, my God, you're kidding. Which then led off to, OK, what are our favorite episodes? The first ones I mentioned, they're like, you can't. Come on. That can't be it. And we got into a discussion that lasted like two hours. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I have a number of them for a number of different reasons, which is what you have to say. Yeah. Harry Morgan's performance in the general flip to Don is absolutely ridiculously genius. It's yeah. so good and so out there. And the, the kind of meta world where you get to see Henry Blake and I'll say Harry Morgan because it's not Potter on screen together. Right. Is pretty great. Yeah. So I am a huge fan of the general flip to Don Tuttle. 
Everyone always mentions Tuttle, which is another really good episode. Five o'clock, Charlie. I know it's again, it's it's very almost cliche to say it's one of the best episodes, but it's one of the best episodes for a reason. <laughs> so I tend towards the earlier episodes for the comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the later episodes, Major Ego was was a great episode. I mean, there's kind of one after another that I love for different reasons. I could find the virtue in almost any episode of MASH. Again, being an actor uh, and insecure in my own self, what actors love to do is critique other actors and other shows. So I could also find flaws in everything else, like every other actor. (laughs) But the good so outweighs the bad. And um, uh, you know, it was another great episode, which again, I just quoted to you, Jeff, Soldier of the Month. Mm -hmm. Absolutely phenomenal episode. Bombed. Another great episode. I mean, there's just... Mm -hmm kind of one after another. And they they did a run of several seasons in a row that were just seamless. I mean, when you can go right from Trapper to BJ, Welcome to Korea, parts one and two, though I prefer to watch it as one. Hulu, now that they're on, they're cutting stuff out when they're trying to do these long episodes, which I'm not a fan of. So going back to the DVDs and watching it as one, that is a, basically a mini movie introducing a new character in such a fun way that then by his first real episode, which is Change of Command, I think, which is Potter coming in, mm-hmm. BJ's now already established. Yeah. They just, he's already part of the show. You don't even have to worry about him anymore. They did it so well and so fast that by, okay, now we're getting into introducing a, another character. The insanity of being able to do that <laughs> successfully is nuts. Yeah. Nuts. You're right. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for it, but uh, I am pretty <laughs> responsible for a lot of that. So I noticed. You know, this is a, I'm just this is a this is a scoop you're hearing today on Mash Matters. Hey, by the way, what are your brothers' names? We want to say hi to your brothers. My oldest brother's name is Gary, and my middle brother's name is Greg. Yes, it's Gary, Greg, and Will. Gary and Greg, how are you? Great to hear that you're fans of Mash. Keep watching because you know we all love the residuals. So please. Please keep watching. <laughs> How nice of you guys to to listen. No, Apple thank you very again. much. That's very go. kind. They're going to love that. Uh, uh, I hope so. This is another story I wanted to tell you. When I was younger, I missed my SATs to watch MASH, and it cost me $10,000. Wait, oh, what? Uh, well, I know you guys like to pay people back <laughs> for... <laughs> The stuff that you know you very nicely gave the gift card. I am 10 grand in the hole, so I can do a cashier's check. That's fine. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, okay. We can figure it out. You know, I did let you know it was $20,000 to appear on our podcast. Exactly. Matters, you did. So you we'll did. be happy to. <laughs> okay. We'll the difference. We're, we're even though, aren't we? Something like yeah. that. I can't add. Very okay. Wait, yeah. Jeff, I have a question. So now I have to fan yeah. out a little bit. Okay. So I have some fan questions here. All right. Uh, I, I have had to jump around on the podcast. So I apologize if you've answered this question already and I just haven't gotten there yet or haven't heard it yet. How often did the actual actors get to ride in the helicopters? <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, that's a great question. Let me think. How often did the actual actors get to ride in the helicopters uh very rarely i couldn't tell you the number but it was a very low number because and if but occasionally did, though right a, occasionally it would take off and it would go around and come back most of the time they would just you know it was tv so it would they'd start the props and it go yeah. and then the camera would go like that and that would be it Every once in a while, but it, they didn't let those guys go up in that helicopter too often because you never knew. Uh, that's what I figured. I wanted to know that. Okay, that's that's <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, my other question is: so uh, one of the stories that 
I think, oh, who told it? I, I can't remember who told the story. Well, I think it was Mike Farrell told the story when he came on your podcast that David Ogden Stiers sent a cake or something in the, the mess hall of the, um, where Paramount studios with the studios we were shooting at to Harry Morgan and some other people and said it was from some big actor or director as a practical joke and got a big laugh. And that started kind of a prank war. And they used that in, in an episode mm-hmm. of mash where that, you know, it's David Ogden Stiers who ends up sending the cake over to the, the, um, chopper, the chopper pilot, pilot. Yeah. and it gets Loretta Swit in trouble and blah, blah, blah. So my other question is how often did they take from life of things that happened on the set or behind the scenes and write that into the show? Four times. (laughs) Next question. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay. If the train leaves New York. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. No, I'll, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, What I do know is that it happened, you know, as often as it could. So if somebody said something, the the writer said, Oh, what, what? Uh, And it, felt right and it resonated with a you know with a theme or with a story or they'd steal it i mean they'd use it uh, definitely they used uh, my name twice my last name they used maxwell and then later when i became igor that was used because they were calling me igor on the set because i used to roam around and, and do crazy funny things and uh, i was the goofball <laughs> They said, you know, I you understand I was the, you know, the the wacky kid in class who couldn't stop being wacky. So I would, you know, wander around like Igor from Frankenstein and that name stuck. And then they wrote it into the show. So, you know, that was just a small, you know, a very small window of what happened. But, yeah, they'd use a lot of stuff. Did they do it on your show? Uh, with small things, uh, little things, you know, uh, if one of us liked uh, a, a certain rock group at the time, they'd write in that we liked a certain rock group at the time, something like that, because they knew it was topical and it, you know, it was of the moment. But I don't know if any real storylines kind of came from our life. I mean, again, it was adults writing for kids, essentially. So uh, they might have done it for some more of the adult characters than they did for the child characters, but not that we saw a whole lot. Oh, by the way, that's totally you in the foxhole during Welcome to Korea, where they call you by a different last name. <laughs> is it? I don't oh, remember. Oh, 100%. No, it's 100%. You were Salkowitz, which again, at Salkowitz oh, at well, one point Sackle. is the acting camp librarian. So you, the, again, Ryan, I'll go, oh, I'll go Got nerd him. for nerd for you all day long with MASH, my wow. friend. Bring it, bring it. So yeah, no, it's it's completely <laughs> you. I'm, I'm a little nervous between two nerds. I don't know what that means. I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable. <laughs> don't you understand? Nerd, nerds, we own the world now, Jeff. We own the world. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, no, because you then have lines later in that episode. This is the whole uh, Frank Burns comes over and Larry Linville comes over and says, dig deeper here. And you say your end, sir. And he's never mind my end. So. uh, So, yeah, you do. You do all that stuff again. This is my life. I love it. I will will do this all day long. (laughs) That match sounds like a cute little show. Oh, God. Can I tell you the other thing? This is not to get ridiculous or emotional, but one of the other reasons I love television is because it defies death. Wayne Rogers is no more alive to me or dead to me now than he will ever be. I, I will always know Wayne Rogers. I will always know the characters that are there. Now, did I know the people? No, of course I didn't, nor would I ever claim to. But I know that slice of their life and that they're, it's eternal. It will never, ever change. Phil Hartman is one of my favorite of all time. 
I can always turn on something with Phil Hartman and he will forever be alive to me. So that's one of the things that I love about television. And that's one of the things where Wayne Rogers is always there. William Christopher, always there. Harry Morgan, always there. And they're always there every time I want them to be. And so there's Mm. something so wonderful about that. And that's something that television does. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, and when you get something like a mash, it's, it is, it's, it's, there's a, a beauty to the idea that the time capsule episode was the second to last because all of mash is a time capsule to me. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can relate certain things that certain episodes to certain things that were happening in my life. Like certain, like people can do with music. Oh, I hear this song. That was when I was 18 and I blah, 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 blah. I can do that with certain episodes of mash. Oh, I remember when I showed this too, or I remember this was happening when, mm-hmm. um, and that's what great television can do. I might be, I'm I'm not going to say that I'm the only one, but I have to be in the minority of 48 year old men who just in the last month started watching Boy Meets World for the first time. So I I started watching it and I started listening to your podcast and I'm enjoying both. I'm enjoying watching it. I didn't know what to expect because, you know, I, again, we're about the same age. So in 1993, when you guys started is when I graduated high school. So I was just aging out of the TGIF. Me too. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) And so I never really watched it when it was on originally. And so when I started watching it, I think I thought it was going to be a little more hokier than it was. And I'm, I'm only about four five episodes in right now. I just started, but I found that it's very smartly written. There have been several times so far where I thought I knew where the joke was going and it zagged and it went a completely different way and it caught me by surprise. And it was such a pleasant surprise. So I'm really digging it. And I love pod meets world. uh, And I love the dynamic because the three of you, you can tell how much you are fond of each other and the fondness you have for the show. And, and the fact that you're still not afraid to talk about the things on the show that maybe weren't always great. You know, I mean, it's not all sunshine and roses and unicorns. It was a job just like Jeff talks about on this podcast. And I love that you guys are are so open to talking about that. So, well, thank you. (laughs) Yes. No, (laughs) we, we, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it was not always conducive to an atmosphere that was amazing for children. You know, that does not necessarily mean anybody was evil or any of that stuff, but it's just, it's, it's the way it happened. And, you know, Ryder and Danielle have been two of my best friends since we were, you know, 14. So growing up together, we all had that kind of same experience. I mean, you know, Jeff, when you're with the cast, you have a group of people you can talk to that experienced the same things you did. And you're, you're together in this shared memory. And while your memories may differ and while your experiences may differ, you have a base of history where it's, you have that shared common knowledge. So it's, it's, Yeah, Ryder and Danielle and I have a wonderful time doing that. But talking about what you talked about, Jeff, again, first of all, getting that it was just a job. I totally understand that. I also get that you're coming from a career in stand-up, which is not only such a different version of entertainment, but with a whole different lifestyle. I mean, going from playing the clubs at night to, hey, I've got to be on the set at six o'clock in the morning. I was laughing. I'm sorry. I I, I know there's not a lot of swearing on this podcast, but I was laughing my ass off the first time when you were talking about spraying for the bees and how much you hated it. And it's like, I'm a nightclub performer. It's six o'clock in the morning (laughs) and I'm freezing. What am I doing here? I'm just, I was just about, I mean, you know, during the nightclub era, that I was in, I was about to go to bed at six o'clock in the morning. So right? getting out there with guys spraying stuff on bees. What are you 
doing? I'm sleepy. It was a very big, bad transition. Really tough one. I love uh, that. that night. Yeah, that nightclub uh, business was, well, you've done that, haven't you? You've, have you done no, stand-up? No, stand-up is not, it's such a different beast. And it's one that I like to consider myself pretty funny and pretty witty, but I, I don't have the fortitude to get up there and do that. I was lucky. I, I was a part of a comedy team. So we were, you know, we were together. We had each other to bounce off of. So that was a good thing. When we sort of split up, I tried to do it myself and I could do it, but I didn't like it. I yeah. liked being with him and I like to have that, you know, back and forth kind of conversation. I didn't like standing up. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, what, what, what about those shoes? What? Come on, let's talk right. about them. I, I just I just didn't like it. Is there any <laughs> way to see the any of the stuff you did as a comedy team? Is there? Can you see it on YouTube or any kind of places to find it? Because I'd love to see it. $30,000, I will send you a video. <laughs> I hope somebody is keeping track. I was just about to say, yeah, there's a lot of money going on here. I owed you 20 Uh, to come on, then you owed me 10 back. Now there's 20. Yeah. Uh, You know, honestly, I don't know. I've sort of searched for us. We weren't, uh, you know, when we were doing it, it, there was not a lot of video going on. Yeah. So not really. The only video that happened was when we went on the USO tour and we were in Korea and those guys were sort of videotaping yeah. some stuff, but I don't have it. And I don't think they were, you know, hey, we got to get up on YouTube because there was no YouTube. Yeah, exactly. We doing it. So, <laughs> or audio. Maybe somebody recorded one of your shows because I would definitely love to hear that. Yeah, I'd love to hear it myself. I mean, I know we were pretty funny, um, but I, I'd still love to hear us be funny. I don't I don't remember a lot of it. Uh, and it was, he was, was sta- so during the episode where Hawkeye is taking the picture of everybody, I think it was Big Mac. Yep. He's standing to the left of you in the hat, correct? Your partner? I think he's to the right, right of me. To the right, yeah. to the right. Okay. He's the right okay. of me. Yeah. Yes, okay. I'm yes. pretty sure. Yeah, I went after I heard that I went back and I That's what I love yeah. about this podcast is I'll hear something and I'll be like, "Well, got to go back and check that out." <laughs> yeah. And he's <laughs> so a, he's a great guy. He's a terrific guy. We were called Garrett and Maxwell and he was Bill Garrett and I was Jeff Maxwell. And uh, we were together for seven years and we traveled around the United States and uh, ended up traveling around the world and had a ball. It was a wonderful experience, which I would not give up for the world. Well, I was just going to pitch you an idea. So I'm, I'm, I'm a writer as well. I hate to say that, but it's true. I, I write for a lot of the animated series that I do. So the idea just came to me as you were saying it. It's two. It's a comedy team that was together a long time ago on the USO that broke up that now is going to get back together modern day to go on the USO tour again in a new war and they get trapped behind enemy lines. Oh, I kind of like that. Oh, I like that. Right. I think yeah. it'd be fun. And, and as behind enemy lines are like, one, one of the scenes is they're trying to be quiet because the enemy's right there. And that's, of course, the time when why they break up came up and they're starting to argue as quietly as they can as the snipers yeah. are coming into the room. As st- yeah, okay. It's, I like it. Has nice. to be done. Uh, one now, very bizarre okay. question. Now, just to, just to yeah. clarify, it's going to be a minimum price on that. Okay. Okay, so don't get okay. excited. Well, we'll get. No, no, well, no. I'm just Writer's trying to pitch enough minimum. stuff. Yes, we're by the end, we're even. That's all right. I care about. That's all I care about. Yeah. Um, my, I have another question. What is the fascination with the name Mildred on Mash? <laughs> because it was Mildred Blake at first, and then yeah. it became Mildred Potter. So I'm curious why it went from Mildred to Lorraine, and and why then they kept the name. It's a great question. I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I know that Perry and Frida were the names of... Uh, the Tuttles. And that was Mr. and Mrs. Gelbart. That was Perry yes. Gelbart's parents' names. So it's not that. Somebody had to have been named Mildred. And right. I don't know who came up with Mildred and why. I mean, it, there's, you know... Uh, 
Potter was supposed to be from Hannibal, Missouri, but he's talking about yep. Nebraska and Nebraska. And, and yeah, oh, I love the continuity stuff. And I mean, you I know, love and, it. That's all TV. Boy Meets World is famous for just some of the worst continuity ever. <laughs> just ever. Sisters that disappeared. And we always just call it Chucky Cunningham. Somebody where, <laughs> yes. you know, from from Happy, yes, days. from Happy Days, you know, he, Ron Howard had a brother who went upstairs holding his basketball and you never saw, you him, never again. saw him again. <laughs> so that's uh, happens in TV all the time is the that's answer funny. to that, I guess. Yeah. Hey, just, have you been out to the MASH site out at Malibu Creek State Park? Have you ever visited that? No. Really? Can you believe that? I live I maybe that. 20 minutes from there. Maybe cow, 20 minutes from there. And I love there. hiking. And I've oh. never been. Wow. Yep, I know. My wife Good and I grief. talk about it all the Holy time. I've never been. I know. It's awful. It's awful. <laughs> of all the people, you would really enjoy it. You really should go out there. Let me know. Yeah. Maybe I'll go with you. All we'll right, get cool. Ryan out here. Ryan, yes. we'll all three go out there. And uh, bring have you not wife. been out here yet, Ryan? Yeah, I was out there uh, last year on the 50th anniversary. We were at the... Uh, yeah, you did a live. I haven't listened yeah. to that one yet, but you did the live show there. Okay. Yeah, that was yeah. was that your first time at the That at was my that first location? and only time that I've been to the okay. MASH site. Did you cry? Did you feel like you're going to cry? I didn't. <laughs> did um, I didn't because we were part of this celebration and part of this recording. And I, I was so focused on that aspect yeah. of it yeah. that I really didn't soak it in as much as I thought I would or should have. So right. I do want to go back. I I want to go back and I want to do the hike in, not for an appearance, but just to go. Yeah, it's got to be, you know, you're not concentrating the whole time on being on the moon if you've got to be staring at a panel in front of you in the limb the whole time. So I think it's that kind of thing. It's like you're... You're you're you were working, but yeah, yeah, you'd want to just go and kind of soak it in. But yeah. it was so very. We'll all go. We'll all we go. should. Yeah, we yeah, should. Let's do it. I want to take a picnic, just like uh, a clinger did. I want to just read about slaking underneath the tree from my poetry books. That's all I want to read about. You and I would just be quoting Mash all day, and Jeff be like, "What's that from?" Be like, "Jeff, it's from Mash. It's all from Mash." Jeff, you really <laughs> should watch the show sometime. It's pretty good. I really, I've got to. I've got to. I know I've got to. You're yeah. so good God, in it. Geez. You're so. Good good in it you really oh, are nice. isn't thank he? you very much oh, thank so you. good the entire well, time you. that was one of the other things that i loved about mash is the background actors that started as background actors or started with very small parts that were then given more as the show went on as opposed to oh we're going to cast another person in this role or we're going to get it was like no we got actors right here let's just write mm-hmm. more stuff for the people that are here that's also very rare and really cool yeah the nurse kelly episode and god rest mm-hmm. her and uh, that she had a great interview with you guys and just watching yeah. all that stuff is just seeing you know it's like oh yeah i wrote an episode for you that's awesome yeah. i love yeah. that Cost her $50,000. Worth every penny. Because again, she's gone, but not to me. I can turn it on anytime I want to. And she's right in front of me again. So I I absolutely love that. She was a sweetie. I have one question about acting and Alan Alda. You said that he was such an inspiration to you. What about him did that to you? What what is it that he did that you went, you know, that works for me. That resonates in my head. Uh, first of all, I, I don't think I can point to a single moment in 11 seasons that I didn't believe. And again, that's rare because especially when you're shooting single camera, because something like Boy Meets World, we did it multi-camera. So you rehearse it all week long, like a play. You're on a stage, you rehearse, you rehearse, you rehearse. They bring the cameras in, you bring an audience in, you shoot it all one night and you're done. It's easy to focus for that four hours you're shooting the show. You've got the vibe of the audience there. Everybody's involved. You're invested. It's amazing. When you're shooting single camera every day, you're shooting a film every day. Every take 
it's it's a tedious process. It's a wonderful process, but it's a long, tedious process. To do that for 11 years, and I've watched the show to the point of stalkerish scrutiny. To do that and to say, I can't think of a moment that reads as false in his entire performance, whether it's the ridiculous wackiness of some of the earlier seasons or some of the real maudlin melancholy stuff from the later seasons. Some would argue too maudlin, too melancholy, too wacky, too crazy. It didn't matter where he was on the spectrum. You believed everything that he did. He committed to every single moment. And that's one thing uh, that's really important for an actor is I had one of my um, friends who was an an older acting teacher always said to me, there's times you're going to hit the wall run into it full speed. You know, that's what you're going to do. The He said, the worst thing you cannot do, or the worst thing you could do, especially on a show when you've got writers around you, is not commit to a part, not commit to a bit, because then they don't know if it's the writing. Uh, if you commit to it and it falls, okay, we saw that it was committed to, we've got to change that, that's on us. If you don't commit to it and it falls, how are the writers going to know whether it's the bit or whether it's you? So you never saw him not commit to whatever he did. It was incredible. And then I would say that. And then the other thing I would say is something you were saying earlier, Ryan, comedy, especially is music. And there is a very specific beat to television and the greatest actors find a way to play off beat. And Alan Alda always did that. You'd think just like you were saying with the wonderful compliment about Boy Meets World, you think it was going one place and it turned and it went somewhere else. There's actors like that, that you, you, some of the best where you, you'd watch their shows and you'd think they were playing the regular standard four by four by four kind of tune or, you know, and then all of a sudden you'd hit some jazz note and it'd be like, where did that come from? <laughs> and that's what made it special. And it just makes his performance stand out. And that's why the the earlier episodes, I, I, I really relate to the earlier episodes because I think they made the, the more dramatic episodes pop more. You know, when you've got kind of the wackiness of, of what's going on surrounded by this crazy war, and then you throw in a sometimes you hear the bullet, it's the equivalent of being on a set with a producer who yells all the time, where after a while you just don't hear it anymore. And the nice, kind producer who's the nicest person in the world who yells once, then you never forget that yell. So that's kind of what in the beginning Alan Alda was to me was you get those moments where it was all comedy crazy and is the hijinks for lack of a better word of him and Trapper and how they were messing with Frank and all the stuff going on. And then again, you'd get the sometimes you hear the bullet or obviously in you, Henry, and it mm -hmm. just kicked you in the gut. And it did because they played off beat. All of a sudden they took you a different direction. And uh, man, he did that in his performance every time. Very nicely put. Very nicely put. We will let him know that this podcast is has happened, and we will tell him to listen to it. Ugh, are you kidding? <laughs> oh my god! Just, just if he oh, no, wants I, me to wash his car or I, uh, whatever he needs, I, I have to back up. We will ask him to listen to it. I, I rarely have told him anything. <laughs> it no. is Alan Alda. For he is. He's one of the best ever. He's got his place in television history and rightfully so. So yes. he really does. And you know, the the episode The Hand, is that right, Brian? Is that the one or you guys should know the one the that hand. he's with his brother and his father? Oh no, he's he's uh, in the the little uh, hut with the two people, the two Koreans. He has an uh, oh, Jeep oh, accident yes. or something. Or and Hawkeye. He asked it's just called Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Oh, oh Hawkeye. Hawkeye. That's yeah. right. Yeah. The, yeah. Hand, the one man hand. show. Yeah. The one man <laughs> show. Yep. That was the one that really got my attention about Alan Alda. Really got it. I happened to be there and they were shooting and I watched. I went, wow, this guy's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, you know, the thing really that's amazing, got my attention. 
other than Hawkeye in that episode, you don't see anybody else from the 4077th. You, he says radar, no. but you never see radar. No, no, you don't see who comes to pick him up. It's him and the Korean family. Who can't and that's speak it. English. Who can't speak English. The only other yeah. dialogue is occasionally in Korean. That's it. Yeah. He yeah. entertains you for 22 minutes. Yep. And it becomes even more absurd when you realize the reason that he's doing it is because if he falls asleep, he could die. Yeah. Insane. I mean, absolutely insane. I also just found out that the woman who came back who played Rosie uh, once or twice and also was the one who um, goes after uh, Klinger yeah. when uh, uh, she that's that's Mako's wife. I didn't know that. No, that's not her. It is. Um, it's, it, no, that's, oh, that's I'm Googling. Saki. Eileen Saki is the one who plays the madam and then. Oh, no, no, no. Not the madam. No, no, no. Not the madam. The one oh, where, oh, for, oh. for mad dogs oh, and yes, servicemen yes, yes, with the, the uh, pitchfork. Yes, correct. Yes. That's that who I meant. Yes. Goes, yeah. Yep. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Oh, My God. The, yes. Don't. But the. Uh, oh, the the whole thing where she plays the madam. Oh, you mean, oh. but you're talking about Binky? Binky? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that whole thing. The Frank thinking. I'm sorry, Jeff. This is just going to be two, two mash yeah, going back I, and forth. I'm just going to nap for a minute. That's I'll fine. be right back. <laughs> this is why you got to go wake up call here. You got to yeah. start speaking the mash language. The uh, when when Frank just thinks when he says it's the oldest profession, he just thinks it's a bakery. <laughs> a bakery? No, Frank, they're tarts. Tarts? Cherry? <laughs> Pete? Oh, man. Larry Linville. I heard a story about Larry Linville, and I, I don't know if, 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 Jeff, if this is true or not. He didn't necessarily want to leave MASH, but after Loretta Swit went to the producers and said, look, Hot Lips needs more. Margaret needs to grow as a character. Larry Linville kind of realized as an actor that just left the Frank Burns character on an island by himself. Like the, he's like, what I have, I would have nothing at that point. I have yeah. nowhere to go. And that's kind of why he said he wanted to leave. Cause I guess he and Loretta Swit were very close mm -hmm. and he knew she wanted to grow as a character. And he also knew that was going to leave Frank kind of high and dry. Is that mm -hmm. true? Had you heard that as well? I've heard that as well. Yes. I mean, I, I wasn't in his head. I don't know what he was thinking. Absolutely. But I mean, that's, that's the obvious issue there that he really did have no place to go. Yeah. Uh, after all the stuff happened. And so he had to move on. That, that's what happened. And he did it courageously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He probably didn't want to go. Who wants to leave a series that's really successful and everybody's happy and you're making money. But as an actor, he just couldn't take it anymore. So he went unbelievable. away. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. It's every single person on the cast was wonderful. Everybody. You know, they were. They really were. And they were really, they were all wonderful people just to be around and be the, have the energy from all those really smart, intelligent, creative, sometimes wacky, sometimes crazy people. But boy, you know, it's like a family. Not everybody yeah. gets along every single day yeah. all the time. But the family comes together and they're they're tight. When problems are happening, they get together and solve the problems. So it was an amazing experience. And I'm sure you have you have close relationships with your cast. Very. Uh, this cast has close relationships with each other still. So it was an amazing experience with a, an amazing group of people. That's so you were right to, to like the show. You Both of you guys, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. It's such a good show. It's such a good show on yeah. so many levels. I don't even know. I, I yeah, I don't. Well, people always say when they ask that question, who are the 10 people you would invite to, you know, living or dead that you would invite to dinner? 
Larry Gelbart's on my list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, yes. yeah. you know, it's, it's people yeah. are like, oh, uh, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, there'd be some people like that there, but I would want to be seated next to Larry Gelbart and just right. pick yeah. his comedy brain for a while because there are some people that just speak in comedy. It's, it's just the way their minds work. It's insane. Mm-hmm. And he obviously mm-hmm. had that. And, oh, I would have, I'd give my left arm just to been able to sit down and talk to him once would have been yeah. absolutely amazing. Special guy. Really was really special guy. So cool. Uh, so now when we're on your podcast, is there yes. a, a limo involved? And <laughs> we do. You what's do, the payment like? Do you, is, do we need to give you our bank rooting number? You it's, it's, send it that way. All you do is how do you, you, how do you work? Yeah. That? You stand like at your driveway mm-hmm. and yeah. we'll be there. Okay. <laughs> it, uh, it takes a okay. while, but we'll, we'll be there. No, it's, uh, <laughs> and, uh, if it's an Uber, if it, you do an Uber, I want the black Uber, the black Uber black. You got it. You got Uber it. Black. They send you, got you the, it. It's, I just no. typed it in. It says it's going to be a four hour wait, unfortunately, for, for an Uber black. <laughs> yeah. It's because my rating is so low. That's it. Um, That's it. No, this is, uh, this has been incredible. I'm sorry. I keep gushing, but I, oh, no. I feel like I'm just one of your fans, which I am. And I've listened to all the comments and the people writing in. And I, I feel like I get to kind of be their voice a little bit because I am absolutely one of them. And I love the show. I absolutely love hearing the two of you talk about it and the incredible oh, stories that nice. you hear. And it just adds to the richness of this, this world that I thought I already knew. So from all of the fans of your show out there, thank you so much. This has really been awesome. And I've spoken the entire time. I did not let you guys speak at all. I knew I was going to okay. gush. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> Speaking uh, on behalf of it. our audience, they want to thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> yes. They don't want to hear us. And, and so. plus that we cut out most of everything you say and Good. just put in our stuff. <laughs> Good. I love that. Record the whole thing. So don't I worry. love that. <laughs> Okay. This is so well, cool. And this has been I, great. Yeah, this, this has, has been, been so absolutely fun. wonderful. Thank you for reaching out and, and inviting yourself. And <laughs> yep. Thank you for introducing me to Boy Meets World because I'm I'm looking forward to uh, watching you more watching. episodes and listening to more episodes of the podcast. And it's just also nice to know that there's somebody out there in the entertainment world who is as big of a mash nerd as me. Heck, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I will. I that, this is not a euphemism. If you come over, I will show you all my toys. I've oh, got some up here too. So you know, we'll have to we'll have to like compare. We'll, exactly. We'll just, we'll I'm just, look, we'll... you know, HQ did a whole a whole train set. I'm still trying to get the whole train set. I don't have any of the trains. I Me neither. I want to get the whole yeah. set intact. We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll, this yeah. is a... we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> um, but uh, any any parting oh, thoughts, goodness. any parting words to the MASH nation? Uh, just, it's a wonderful nation to be a part of. It really, it really is. It's, it's incredible television show. There is a reason it has been around for 50 years. There is a reason it is finding new fans every day. That is by the strength of the writing, the strength of the cast, Jeff, you, you as well. It just, it, it resonates still. And it, it, that's because when something's beautiful, it's always beautiful. That's the joy of MASH. And I just love that, uh, I get to turn it on and watch it whenever I want to. It's, it's very relaxing for me. So big fan. That's wonderful. And, you know, please uh, give my best to your brothers again, say hello to them. And uh, from, from me, from my heart, I thought they were going to be refreshments here. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I love that so much. And I'd also like to pitch the idea that Jeff, you're going to need to just pick one or two episodes and you guys need to do a rewatch podcast of just a couple of the episodes. 
episodes yes. of what? Uh, of Ma- of what? MASH. Oh, 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 MASH. Okay. Uh, Boy Meets World. Oh, yes, yeah, let's do that. I'm not going to subject Jeff to Boy Meets World. No, I. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I've seen a little bit. I, look, you were terrific. The show was terrific. I, it was, admittedly, I haven't watched a lot of episodes, no. but I get it. You know, you're I not really in do. our demo, Jeff. I get that too. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would certainly say you should pick a couple of your episodes, and you really should do a rewatch because I think you're going to be very happy watching MASH again. I really do. I'm in. Absolutely. All right. I'm I'm committed. Good. I'm committed. Let's just find like out. Alan Alden. Can we please find out about Mildred? I want to know whose whose name was Mildred. I'll, Ryan, I'll, you got to get yeah, on that. I'll get on it. Hey, well, thank you. Thank you both cool. so much for taking the time. This has been really great. No joke, you make my walks super enjoyable. <laughs> I, really, I really appreciate it. I really do. There's a All lot right, of people out there you. that are loving the show. So thank you both so awesome. much. Thank you to our friend Will Friedel for spending time with us. I don't think we really had to twist his arm that hard to get him to talk about MASH. He was so eager to talk about MASH. It was, <laughs> yeah. and I'm sorry, Jeff. I know he and I got a little too nerdy at times during our conversation, and I'm very sorry that you had to sit there and endure that. I have nerd stuff all over me. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to get it off. I don't know. Do you, do you wipe it off or do you, sh- what, how do you? I'm not going to go there. <laughs> no, it was great talking to Will. Thank you so much for reaching out to us. And if you are listening and you were a star in a beloved hit television series and you love MASH, feel free to reach out to us. We'll talk to you as well. And as Will did, it's only a $5,000 upfront fee to get on the show. So (laughs) uh, thank you, Will. And we always appreciate your business. That reminds me, I need to send that invoice to Will. Yeah, I got to send it to Will right away. I I really enjoyed that. What a nice guy. You know, he's really a terrific guy. He's a smart guy. He's a talented man. And uh, we look forward to seeing a lot of good stuff come out of uh, Will Friedle. Well, I mean, come out of Will Friedle. I mean, you know, we're looking forward to seeing what he does uh, with stuff. He is so crazy talented. Yeah, he is. He, his voice work is absolutely amazing. Check out his podcast, Pod Meets World, which is about Boy Meets World, and also the podcast, I Hear Voices, which is about the voiceover industry. I've been listening to that as well, and it is fun. It's fascinating. And uh, he is just, he's just has such a great energy and is a super nice guy. So thanks, Will. It was an honor to talk to you. And certainly we'll keep watching MASH because you know I like the residuals. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Hey, we want to give a quick shout out to uh, some of our VIPs on Patreon. All right. We're going to start with Private Matthew Holden Taylor. Corporal Eric Lichert. Corporal Thomas Carroll. Captain Nick Lamb. Captain G.W. Hall. Captain Maria Higson. And Captain Eric White who recently was promoted from corporal. Thank you, Captain. Yes, thank you, Captain Eric White. And by the way, Eric White, the brains behind the MASH historian. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Go check out the MASH historian. Up next, Jeff. Yes. Episode 100. Holy moly, Ryan Patrick. Mm-hmm. Episode 100. That's that's more than 58. That's a lot. <laughs> and it's approximately 97 more than I thought we would do. So, hey, <laughs> you know, people have been asking. We've had people uh, tweeting us and uh, sending us emails saying, hey, you guys got anything special planned for episode 100? Hmm. And yes. Yes, we do. But 
It may not be what you expect. I don't think it's what they expect, but boy, it's going to be very revelatory mm -hmm. and uh, very interesting. You're going to hear things that you would never think you were going to hear and learn things that you never thought you would learn on this particular podcast. So, And it's the first time you will ever hear it. Nobody has heard what we're going to give to you in episode 100. That's right. This is an exclusive, a big exclusive. Thank you to all of our VIPs. Thank you for listening. And until next time, here's looking up your old address. Mm -hmm.